Independently for Excellence with your host, Victoriously Speaking, also known as Nicole Benton, Licensed Professional Counselor. Do you sometimes feel that nobody understands what you are going through and that others do not share your personal struggles? You may be surprised. Today, you will listen and learn from the stories and our testimonies on the program. Now, here is your host, Victoriously Speaking. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Nicole, a.k.a. Victoriously Speaking. Welcome to Life Radio, sponsored by Hearts to Nourish Hope. We are back for those who served part three. And I am super excited because this is a subject that I teach about so much, which is PTSD and trauma. And I have with me in the studio my production manager, Charles Chico McIntosh. It is I. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so um, I asked him to join me. Um, he was actually on the first show. So what you remember what we talked about on the first show? Poverty. No. <laughs> For those who serve. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Wrong show. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Course, it was it was basic training and. Our, our experiences and so we had three different guests um charles and myself and we had different experiences and we agreed for the most part you know when it came to things like basic training active duty and transitioning out of the military um last show i brought up emotions and growing pains in relation to age as far as the age when most of us go into the military that our brains are not developed and then beliefs that are brought about because you know you already go into a situation in life any situation with a certain set of beliefs based on your upbringing and then I was saying how when you go into the military, they break you down and build you up with beliefs that they want you to have in order to serve and protect our country, right? And so in that, it brought about a lot of conversations also about issues that arise like marital conflict and domestic violence and substance abuse, you know, and everything that we talked about really led to today's subject which is PTSD. And I wanted to start off with the fact that, you know, I, I we hear this term. When you hear PTSD, what do you think about? Um, one of those movies where they lose their mind and they're running around talking to themselves. And that was when I, before I knew what it was, but that's what my impression was. Those guys who've been through something real bad, they just messed their brain up and mm-hmm. they just walked around almost like reliving that moment or uh, whatever that trauma was. And they, they were just an outcast in that neighborhood. Right. And in, in, in relation to that, you know, when you look at or you hear about the stories, especially after Vietnam, when you had a lot of soldiers and Marines and things that came back and they were having a really hard time. And, it, and PTSD wasn't really talked about then like it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, after the, especially with the Gulf Wars and uh, you know the uh, conflicts you know, over in Iraq and Saudi Arabia, um, and I think because things look it may look a little different or we're just more educated about stuff. I'm not sure all the complaints about the things that was going on with veterans, um, but I think the thing that gets me, and I just I Google just stories about veterans that were killed. 
because and they had PTSD and I had a couple of them there was one and it's, it's you know they was all across the country all different races um Travis Boyd Bradley was shot and killed outside of Baltimore Maryland um and it said he was the first fourth person killed by the police that month that was suffering from PTSD and that was a military veteran and this was like in 2016 I believe I'm sorry I think I forgot to put the year um it said according to his ex-wife's sister Bradley had struggled with alcohol and the death of a good friend who died while deployed to Iraq um and he was even deemed not deployable because of his PTSD and he had been in several programs he also tried to take his own life. So he basically provoked the police to kill him because he was just tired. You know what I mean? So that was one story I found. And then there was another one that says that a former soldier that uh, the police said he fatally shot his wife and children and set their house on fire before killing himself. He also had PTSD. Um, he also did a little bit in Iraq. And this was in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, there was another guy in Detroit, Colton Puckett. He also suffered from PTSD. He was shot and killed by the police after he went on a violent rampage. So he was going around just hurting people. And then his wife said, I don't want anybody to think he was some sort of crazy person because he was not. That's not him at all. And, that, and I'm going to speak on that in a minute a bit. There was one person that really, really bothered me here in Atlanta. You know what story I'm talking about? Is it the bridge fire or mm -mm, the veteran? The one that was naked walking yes. to the guy? Anthony yeah. Hill, 27 years old, was naked, unarmed. This was 2015, and he was shot and killed in DeKalb County. There are so many stories just across the world, violence and deaths from PTSD from veterans that... To me, they just weren't able to find peace. But I want to go back to the one um, where the wife said that wasn't him. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you when people leave to go to the military, you don't expect them to come back a different person. You don't in life, period. I mean, but I mean, as a family, as a wife, I want my husband back. I sent I sent him off this way. And now he come back, he's a different person. Now, and not only that, I'm a different person. They don't tell how long he's been gone, but he's dealing with things that I don't know. I can't help him. I don't know how to help him. That that's that lends to the credence that, like you said earlier, we're the we're more educated now because before we always felt that someone who had issues mentally or whatever, they just had to shake it off. They mm -hmm. just were beating themselves up for no reason. They got to snap out of it. Mm. And, you know, like the little cousins who had autism or whatever, and people like, you know, he, he just need his butt whipped and he'll, he'll stop doing all that shaking and stuff. They had no idea what they were actually dealing with. People even thought bipolar was just a phase. I mean, they just say that for people who, <laughs> who want to act up. Right. We now we're more educated and we have seen it firsthand how these things affect our family and friends. Mm -hmm. So now it makes us understand a little more and more sympathetic to it. Because like a person with Alzheimer's, they're repeating things constantly. You can't tell them, stop repeating that. Because they have no idea what, they have no control over what this, their uh, their mind and their body is doing. They are, it's out of their realm. And a lot of people think if you just. If you just what? Because at the end of the day, as a wife, I'm just telling you. My husband come home and he not like he was. I want some answers. 
And most of the time, you know, and I've worked with a lot of service people um, that in these situations and you can't really, you know, uh, because they don't want to go get help. They're not going to take no medicine. They're not going to, you know, you got, so you got all these various things that are going on but in the whole family. And, and that's most men anyway. Most men are going to go to the oh, doctor. Oh, you say most that's a man thing? It, period. Yeah, it's just that, that, that innate thing. But, they refuse to go to the, uh-huh. put it this way. Up until I had three friends pass from prostate cancer in a row in a year, mm-hmm. did I realize prostate exams were pretty important. And they all found out six months before they died that they had it because they never had their prostate exams. Okay, but when so, when you get, come home and everybody's telling you that, you know, something's wrong with you, you need to, you know, but you don't look at it that way. That's true because your mindset's not, not like it used to be either and you're already disconnected. Your mind is in a different place from everyone else. So you automatically looking at them saying they crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I just think with all the stories, like the ones we just talked about, the wife, she's saying she didn't want him to think he's crazy after he goes on a rampage. This is the thing. They couldn't find peace from being in wars and being exposed to things that they couldn't talk about. They couldn't find peace from the images of bodies, the smells, the sounds that often woke them up at night. They couldn't find peace because of paranoia and constantly looking over their shoulders, wondering what was going to happen next. No peace when the people they loved looked at them differently, acted differently, looked differently, and they couldn't find the words to express how they feel. So they became isolated. They became withdrawn and were only left with memories and nightmares until they snapped. Now, some snap and they go violent. Um, Some snap and they just run off. You know what I mean? Some snap and they try to invent a different, you know, invent a different person, you know, by avoiding. And all of these things that I'm talking about is really is is coping. You know what I mean? It's it's the things that um, you don't think about when you're going through. I don't think none of us do. You know what I mean? Like, even me as a therapist, I I go through things and until things get, like, really crazy, I don't even think about it until then because now I got to go back and I'm trying to analyze, okay, wait a minute, where did I go wrong? And that's only because I know some of the things to do to kind of check myself. But if you're not really in this field, you don't really think about that type of thing. And when you're coming from situations and wars and all these various things and you seeing things and you get fed, and just like we talked about before, you come back home, Jody don't been in your house with your wife, don't mm. spend all your money. That's what Brandon said. You know, you got all these situations that be happening. You ain't thinking about that. You thinking about, I just came back from war. I'm ducking, dodging bullets. You know what I mean? I'm doing all this stuff. I come back and I don't feel appreciated. Not even by the people who sent me out here to serve. See, that's the thing. You know, and I think I talked about this the one of the last shows that gets to me. When I was in Bosnia and having to write home to get physical hygiene products. So y'all didn't think of us enough to ha- make sure that we had enough deodorant and soap so we wouldn't be walking around here smelling. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's things like that. But they, they they had a whole lot of near beer. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You, 
I mean, you just think about stuff like that because now I'm 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 putting myself on a line for our country, which I love, and I loved being a soldier. Don't get me wrong, but there are so many things when I think about when you think about how young you know we were in those times. It was traumatizing within itself. Now you add this war stuff and being exposed to God forsaken things, having to live in all. I mean, the things that I heard about when they first went to Saudi, I mean, good God. I, you know, I, <laughs> I just, in my mind, how do you just send people back home without preparing them to go back home? Because, well, you see, they don't use you up. Well, this this is one thing you also got to remember. It's it's also societal. We treat the people in the military the same way we treat the citizens in the country. Right. At least the government does. I ain't gonna say we because I'm not the government, but uh, <laughs> it's it's that it's it's systemic. It's the same thing in a different place. Uh, a hierarchy of older, middle-aged white men dictating the rules and the behaviors set before a group of people. And it never fits or ever even accommodates that group of people. It's like they'll make it work. There's no, there's no. Because we, we do make it work. It's same with the military. When <laughs> I worked, when I was in the military, there was things falling apart. My ship rode on a bent um, rotor for over a year. So that means, and my burden there, where I said we did this all night long because <laughs> they would not go fix it. Because it's like you'll be all right. Uh huh. But their thoughts is it'll work itself out. They don't get involved in all those little well, details. Well, no, we used to say in the army, just put some duct tape on it. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> just yep. put some duct tape. Duct tape fix everything. It do, it do. <laughs> that's super glue and duct tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, but I mean, but that was the attitude. That 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 was that was the breaking down and the building up when you go to basic and boot camp. As far as that attitude, as you know, we'll always win. No yeah. matter what, we no, always. That's true. No matter what, we gonna win. No matter what, we gonna get this mission started. No matter what, we gonna do it. And I and but my, I think the problem is, is that where does that stop, or where does the? How do you go back to being when you're a civilian, and now I'm in a whole different environment where that's not the way they think. Not only that, you don't even understand what I just went through, or seen. Or, you know, experience and all these things. And and that's the thing. There's no peace. And to me, that's what PTSD is. There's no peace. Your your brain is constantly re, you know, animating all these various things in your head. And, and you have all these different feelings and emotions that you just don't know what to do with. There's no peace. And that's why they snap. That's why they, they they become people that you don't know who they are anymore. You know what I mean? It's almost like people with uh with traumatic brain injuries. And I'm gonna talk about that a little later too. But that that's it's it's really a very complex thing. That there when I looked and started doing research, there's tons of research on this stuff, and yet there's still not a plan to help these veterans. When they come home, it's not a real, to me, we're very strategic at making you a soldier, a Marine, a airman, a, 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 a sailor. We're really strategic at doing that, but we're not strategic at once we use you and finish with you and we just send you back home and you just may end up getting killed because you just might snap 
or you just may end up beating or, or killing your wife and kids because you just might snap. We don't care about that because we already don't use you. PTSD. I mean, That's what right. else is there to it? There's not much more to it. Um, I put it like this. When I came from uh, my my time in the Navy, I basically had been through some stuff. And a lot of it was inbred within the military itself. The rest of it was uh, dealing with just most of the, the at-sea adventures we went through. Yeah. And like I said, most times it's not your control. It's the people above you who control where you do, how you do, how much sleep you get, where you where you spend your days nah, and your nights. We're going to talk about that. In the last segment, we're getting ready to take a break, though. Hold that thought. And when I come back, we're going to talk about what PTSD symptoms are. I want to go through them intricately because I want you guys to be able to put this out in case you know somebody. So we'll be right back with live radio with your girl victoriously speaking. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Reconciliation Movement is a nonprofit 501c3 charitable organization. It helps youth and families with education and community resources, promoting self-awareness, mental health, and drug and alcohol recovery. Reconciliation needs help with providing these resources for youth and families. Reconciliation accepts and is in need of donations and professional services to no and low-income families to prepare them for independence through health and education. Visit the reconciliationmovement.org. Victoriously Speaking has over 20 years of experience in human services. She is a licensed professional counselor, a motivational speaker, writer, performer, and community advocate. Book Victoriously Speaking for your next event or take advantage of the workshop she has to offer. Victoriously Speaking is all about teaching life and learning to live independently for excellence, free from fear, anger, and our doubt. For more information on these programs or to book Victoriously Speaking, call 404-969-5661. That's 404-969-5661. Hearts to Nourish Hope has been a leader in Clayton County for over 22 years. As a nonprofit, our goal is to expand and continue to be a one-stop community resource center that equips youth with the tools they need to achieve their goals. From our education and career training programs to our youth-operated food pantry, all of HEART's programs are designed to empower participants to improve the lives of their families and the community. Would you like to volunteer or need more information on how to participate? Please visit heartstonourishhope.org. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Today it seems everywhere I go trouble chasing me. You are listening to Life Radio. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at the org. Now, back to Life Radio. 
Here again is Victoriously Speaking. All right, what's up, y'all? It's your girl, Victoriously Speaking, back on Life Radio, brought to you by Hearts to Nourish Hope. We are back talking about for those who served. I was really getting into just my feelings about, you know, how our military men and women come back different. And, you know, uh, there was a thing that I found on maketheconnection.net. And it was saying when you adjust to your transition from the military, they had six things there. They said you may feel uncomfortable with the lack of structure and goals compared with military life. It says you may miss the adrenaline rush of physical and life-challenging situations. You may worry about your finances. You may push yourself to be perfect in work and other areas of your life. Um, Become annoyed with others who seem more easygoing or less detail-oriented than you. And then the last one is feel isolated and alone as if no one understands you. And the thing about this is, it says, what should I keep an eye out after transitioning from service? It says, you may have frequently feelings on edge or tense, having difficulty concentrating, feeling angry or irritable, having trouble sleeping, and then feeling down for weeks or months. And what's crazy about that, if I really start going into the symptoms of PTSD, that's kind of what they're talking about, but it gets a little bit more deeper. Um, one of the things on here, too, it says is what can I do about issues relating to transitioning from the service? And there's a lot of them on here about reaching out to veterans groups and, and things like that. It talks about regular and um, eating healthy meals, relaxation. Um, but I think I put a star by a couple of them. One was discuss and make plans for the transition, especially like with your spouse, children and or other family members. Um, One of the things I noticed, because I remember getting out the military, sometimes, you know, well, for me, I got on the medical. I was a little bitter, like I said, um, (laughs) about it. But you don't really have a, they send you to, what was it? I don't know what they called it in the Navy, but it's the place you go when you get ready to get out. And it's it's like something like that. I don't know. But they, it's like, oh, let's do your resume. So we can uh, put things in, yeah, mil- in civilians. And you're sitting there like, oh, okay. Um, but you don't think about talking to a family and stuff, just transitioning. I think that was a good point. The other one that they had was, um, which is still about planning, have a plan of action for your adjustment that includes a list of goals, you know, for your future and your personal life. And then and this is the biggest one of all that, that a lot of people do. Avoid unhealthy quick fixes that you think may help you cope, such as drinking alcohol, drugs, energy stimulants, or smoking cigarettes. Now, cigarettes, that's another thing, but when you're trying to cope using alcohol or drugs or sex or, you know, whatever, that's not, it just, it does, it it just gets worse. (laughs) It just gets worse. And so, um... I thought that was interesting. They had a few points there that was pretty good. But it, when, when I start going over these PTSD symptoms, you'll see that it kind of overlap. So what is PTSD? Now, what, what did you say earlier, Charles? Oh, uh, being um, outcast, um, kind of wacky, not in your right mindset, mm-hmm. um, introvert to, to people around you, but extrovert in, in public. Because you always seem to have this, 
I know guys that have it and they they, are, they get loud at times. It's like, man, dude, calm down, break it down. <laughs> we call it being hyper vigilant. Yeah. yeah. So that those things are the ones I'm most common and uh, or familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I do know is because I listen to you go through that list, mm-hmm. and the thing that uh, I guess made me wonder was when you said the remedies or the um, the solutions that you can do to help contribute or calm it down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna keep it 100. Mm-hmm. Um, this is those things are are simple and commonplace, but they're hard for even the average person to adhere to. It so it's not even, about it here. You don't even think about it. You don't think about putting a plan together. That, that's my point. Regular <laughs> people don't. So imagine if you got something wrong with you and you come back, you're really <laughs> off that plan. You're not gonna say, you know what? I think I need to sit down and put some goals together before I leave. I, your mind is not on any of that. But this is my thing. If you have things like this that's out there, then why aren't they doing it as the transition? That's another policy thing. Oh, it's another policy. Okay, I'm sorry. Wait. I'm going to talk about that a little more. Let me go back to the symptoms. So PTSD, just for education purposes, it is an anxiety disorder. Now, I I don't like using the word disorder um, because I truly, even as a clinician, I know that uh, these terms that they use in our book as far as to help give a diagnosis to people, Um, Like I said before, I look at everything being spiritual. So these are things that just comes out of whack because you've you've, uh, stopped. Okay, I'll get into that. It's anxiety, right? (laughs) Okay, anxiety. It's worrying, right? Mm -hmm. You worrying and worrying is not natural because if I'm worrying, then I'm not believing and trusting in God. That's where I'm going with that. You know what I mean? Most of the time when, when you look at things, any type of mental illness, it's because somewhere along the line, I stopped believing and trusting in God. That's what. That's just so what I believe. So you went from science to spiritual. I just. That's what I believe. Okay. That's just. I'm sorry. That's just me. That's just Nicole Benson. Not you know uh, Nicole Benson LPC. Okay, <laughs> there's a difference. I just you know those are things, and I would you know I wouldn't put that, but this is my show, so I guess I could just put that out there <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it's anxiety, and so um, in order you have to have the symptoms at least once a month. I mean, I'm sorry for one month following the traumatic event, but symptoms may not appear until several months or even years later. Okay, so you have three main symptoms. One is re-experiencing the trauma through intrusive, distressing uh, recollections of the event. So that's like your flashbacks and your nightmares. Then you have emotional numbness, avoidance of places, people, and activities that are reminders of the trauma. And the crazy thing about that is it doesn't necessarily have to be that that person could smell like something. And it will, you'll kind of have this thing that happens you know what I mean smells um that's why I talked about earlier that you know people who've been around dead bodies there's a smell to that and if you smell something similar it may trigger some things you know and so right okay increased arousal such as difficulty sleeping um uh concentrating feeling jumpy easily irritated and angered so after that it talks about exposure to actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violation, directly experiencing the traumatic events, witnessing in person, learning that the traumatic events occurred to a close family member or close friend, cases of actual or threatened death must have been violent or accidental, 
experiencing repeated or extreme exposure to details of the traumatic events. Examples are like first responders, right? We just talk about that, mm-hmm. collecting human remains, um, police officers, repeated exposed to details of child abuse. Okay, then it talks about the presence of one or more of the following spontaneous or recurrent, involuntary, intrusive, distressing memories. So this is this is that thing. It just constantly keeps playing in your head. Every time you close your eyes, you know, you see it. And this is why you can't sleep. Every time you have dreams, you're seeing this thing over and over again. Um, <coughs> it talks about just the feeling. You can wake up feeling the same way you did at that time when those things happened. Um, flashbacks or other what they call disassociative reactions. Now, this is a word, disassociative is also another disorder um, that used to be called multiple personalities, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But disassociating is like just becoming, you're becoming another person. So what happens, they have this thing called complex PTSD. And I've had a couple cases like this. I had one where... um, a lady, she had serious trauma ever since she was a little girl, and she would have blackouts. You know how people would say, oh, I'm sleepwalking. Mm -hmm. But really, you're just, you're operating in a different space. So she literally would, like, get up and go in her car and go out and she yeah. she crashed her car. Like people will wake up and they have crumbs because they get up and eat and oh, they don't I remember them, eating. I them I live with and, you know, <laughs> you have all these types of things that happen like that, and that's kind of disassociating because mm-hmm. now it's like, and it, and it's, I don't know if it's rare or not. I've only had one client that was truly like that in my years of experience. Um, well, I've had a couple, but. It can be kind of worked out. It's kind of because you got to get them to recognize why they're doing it. Then one day she would be the little, the little girl who was molested. Mm. Then she was the the teen that was raped, and um, you know by the guy who at, ended up getting her pregnant. So mm. I mean, it's all these various she, things. She's categorized. So your your so your mind goes to these places. So the same way you get triggered for the dreams. And you get triggered for everything else. Now I get triggered to these different times in my life. And and you create, you you that's where you go to. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? You know, yeah. and so it's really interesting. Um, that's disassociating. Um, intense or prolonged psychological distress, whether internal, external cues, and those again are triggers. So when I talk about triggers, that's that smell, those places. It's kind of like when I had a car accident and every time I would go to that intersection, I'm always looking around because I'm like, is somebody going to come and hit me in the back of a truck, <laughs> you know, back of me again? Um, I, was, I couldn't believe it. I'm sitting at the light and this taxi just hits me. I'm sitting at the light. It was just like, he must dude. Be, he must have been distracted. Hey. I mean, he totaled my truck. Yeah, you know, I've had that happen too. That's crazy. So, I'm sorry. I sidetracked. Um, see, that was my traumatic event. <laughs> but, um, so the biggest thing is the avoidance. And this is why people start acting different or they start kind of um, withdrawing themselves because they try to avoid anything that's going to create an emotion. So that's why I tried to stay away from my ex-wife. I, I just felt like that was going to be like one of the <laughs> Is that what it was? That- <laughs> Woo, she's about to bring it down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, woo, I digress. Um, <laughs> But here's the thing. It also comes with this. The inability to remember 
an important aspect of the trauma uh, traumatic events, not due to a head injury, okay? Persistent and exaggerated negative beliefs. Now, this is the one we see all the time. Or expectations about yourself, about others, the world. I am bad. No one can be trusted. The world is completely dangerous. You know, and that you'll see a lot. Um, persistent, distorted blame of self or others about the cause or consequences of the traumatic. Okay, I'm sorry, because I was at the VA today. I had an appointment. And <laughs> I decided after my appointment to go stop at uh, the advocate's office because I had some questions because my percentage just went up. So I was like, I had a few questions about some things. So I said, I'm just going to sit there. And I was talking to this young man who just got out the army. And so this older guy, as soon as he walked in, I already knew because he just had that look like, okay, you crazy. I'm sorry. That's just how he looked. So I think one of the auditors, so the, so the ladies, they come in and um, the guy says, oh, you got to sign the sheet. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, I got to sign the sheet. And I, I mean, he just complaining from the time he walked through the door. So I'm just looking. I said, oh, Lord. Okay. So the lady comes out and she's going through the names. And he's talking about, well, why they only got three people here? And da da da. She was like, sir, I'm sorry that, um, you know, please bear with us. She was real nice about it. Oh, no. He had to snap. He was like, but I can say what I want to say. And da da da. So I'm sitting there going, okay, he just really wanted to argue no matter what because he just came in. Yeah. And so. That's that thing where it's like no matter what, they just always go, you know. So you know that's that's part of it. Um, blame. Okay, persistent fear, horror, anger, guilt, or shame, uh, diminished interest or participating in significant events, feelings of detachment or estrangement. That's the big one. Estrangement from others, and even when we were talking about. You know, coming back and people not understanding or thinking people don't understand what's, you know, what you're going through. Um, persistent inability follow to experience positive emotions. And that's that's when it starts really going into depression mm-hmm. um, and anxiety. Just, a, you know, a, a thing about that is anxiety and depression most of the time goes hand in hand. As a clinician, sometimes it's hard to try to figure out like which you want to you want to know which one is more prevalent what am i really dealing with and you can tell because anxiety is usually you know you can't turn your brain off you always worry and you can't sleep you can't eat and depression is kind of like i can't sleep or i can't eat but it's more like you know it, it just looks different but m- most of the time it, you know sometimes it's hard to tell one apart so two or more of the following changes irritable aggressive behavior Reckless or self-destructive behavior, the hypervigilance, that's the thing you was talking about. They always loud, always this. Um, exaggerated, startled response, you know, what the, you know, um, things like that. People just always, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Problems with concentration and then difficulty falling or staying asleep or restless. So that's PTSD. I can add one to that. What's that? Waking them up. My uncle came from out, out in the service back in them days, uh-huh. and I uh, had a brother-in-law like that. And uh, when they sleep, you you wake them up from across the room. Right. You don't say, "Hey, shake them, get get up." No. Right. You yeah. Make, and they might start swinging. Home. You <laughs> don't be swinging. Yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. don't think. They don't think. But yeah, there's a lot of um, uh, there's more variations to that. And I guess by me being a vet and dealing with some of them symptoms and knowing a lot of guys who do, yeah, um, I can see how it's almost like a heart attack. 
None mm-hmm. of them are basically the same, but right. they have the same uh, parameters. And, it's little and traits and yeah, things. They, they, they and you start like, noticing that not only about yourself, but people around you. You know, you got to do one of those, hmm, you yeah. know, type of thing. You, uh, you ever thought about maybe, you know, yep. and yep. Uh, I don't know. Because, you know, we all like mental health. We don't like that term, but, mm-hmm. you know, we got to do something. Because uh, you know what house, I mean? Hey, PTSD was like men, uh, with menopause in my house. <laughs> Everybody was losing their mind. Oh, was, Lord. It's hot. It's cold. It's hot. It's cold. Oh, oh Lord. It was like, We're not going to talk about that. Yeah, hey, that's how I got PTSD. <laughs> no. We ain't going to talk uh, about that. But, oh, man, this time is flying. We're getting ready for a break already. But we're going to get into the nitty gritty of PTSD because I want to kind of transition from um the veterans and the military and how PTSD just looks in the community that we don't talk about enough. And so I'm really looking forward to talking about that. You ready to hear about that, Chi-Town? Yeah, ready. <laughs> Chi-Rack in the house. <laughs> That's right. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take this next break and we'll be right back. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Reconciliation Movement is a nonprofit 501c3 charitable organization. It helps youth and families with education and community resources, promoting self-awareness, mental health, and drug and alcohol recovery. Reconciliation needs help with providing these resources for youth and families. Reconciliation accepts and is in need of donations and professional services to no and low-income families to prepare them for independence through health and education. Visit the reconciliationmovement.org. Victoriously Speaking has over 20 years of experience in human services. She is a licensed professional counselor, a motivational speaker, writer, performer, and community advocate. Book Victoriously Speaking for your next event or take advantage of the workshop she has to offer. Victoriously Speaking is all about teaching life and learning to live independently for excellence, free from fear, anger, and our doubt. For more information on these programs or to book Victoriously Speaking, call 404-969-5661. That's 404-969-5661. Hearts to Nourish Hope has been a leader in Clayton County for over 22 years. As a nonprofit, our goal is to expand and continue to be a one-stop community resource center that equips youth with the tools they need to achieve their goals. From our education and career training programs to our youth-operated food pantry, all of Hearts programs are designed to empower participants to improve the lives of their families and the community. Would you like to volunteer or need more information on how to participate? Please visit heartstonourishhope.org. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Today it seems everywhere I go, trouble's chasing me. You are listening to Life Radio. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at TheReconciliationMovement.org. Now, back to Life Radio. Here again is Victoriously Speaking. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back to Life Radio. We are 
talking about PTSD, one of my favorite subjects because I specialize in trauma. Um, but I mainly work, well, I, make, I work with a lot of veterans too. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to kind of transition to was understanding trauma and trauma from the hood. We kind of talked about a little bit of that uh, with our guests. Uh, we all come from places that um, we were exposed to a lot of different things. Um, I see somebody on Facebook said, yeah, people back home act like they had PTSD. That's very true. Um, And so I want to get into that because there has been a lot of studies that, and there was even talking about in one of the articles that I read that some people had some form of PTSD before they even went into the military because of the environments they came from. But it's very rare that they get the diagnosis. Yep. It's very rare. Usually, um, I don't know, you know, I was looking at this thing about studies and it talks about elevated symptoms of PTSD are likely to occur in low income, urban residing individuals. And that this risk is not associated with being African-American. It says also PTSD symptoms appear to be more prevalent in urban populations um, uh, than national averages. This could be due to higher exposure to traumatic events in urban settings, particularly violence. Now, this is interesting because it talks about that, but it barely gets diagnosed, which I, I noticed, though, because what I've noticed um, as a mental health professional, and the reason why I started reconciliation was because if you don't have good insurance, <laughs> if you don't have any insurance, wow. <laughs> um, and you go to a lot of these other places and you get these doctors and clinicians and they got all these clients and things start sounding and looking the same, you either bipolar, you schizophrenic. You know what I mean? And it's like you don't take the time to get to know the story behind this person's symptoms. You cannot, in my opinion, um, just say that somebody is bipolar or borderline or any of these things without looking at the trauma first. So that same lady I was talking about that had the complex PTSD, Mm She had been going to a psychiatrist for like seven years and he diagnosed her with major depression disorder and was treating her with medication that really exacerbated her symptoms, Mm. which is why she was continuing to do these things. And when I started working with her and she finally started disclosing things about her past, I said, oh, okay, well, there we go. You have complex PTSD. You're disassociating. These are the things that's happening. And she cried because she said she didn't understand that. But she took herself off all this medication because she, basically she was being misdiagnosed and medicated. Overmedicated, yeah. Because the diagnosis wasn't right. Now there's two sides to that. Because a lot of us who go through things, even if we go to the doctor for help, we just we want we don't want to deal with it. Like some people will go to the doctor for medication just like they would to the liquor store for that bottle. And it's like I'm not gonna tell him everything. I'm just gonna tell them the oh, things well, what I need. so I can get what I need. So there's you know there's there's fine lines in all of this. And the thing that gets me is like when I fi- when I did figure it out and we did realize that she had PTSD. Um, he finally got her on the right medication, but then he got mad 
that she didn't disclose to him the stuff that she disclosed to me. And I said, well, you should be happy as a professional. But this is the kind of stuff that happens sometimes amongst us as colleagues. I don't know why. Um, but that's what, you know, that's why in in the uh, in community, we don't look at it because they don't they don't give it to us. We don't look at PTSD like that. We don't. It's always been associated with war and um, uh, the military. But think of the 16-year-old kid in the inner city. Hell, myself, for example, I got gang jumped a few times, mm-hmm. saw people shot, saw a cat right. die in front of me. And then I went into the military. <laughs> right. So, uh, been there. All yeah. of that. So you know. <laughs> you imagine taking that into another realm that's just as shocking, if not on steroids, but just as devious and mm-hmm. manipulative as the, as the streets. So those two running conjoint ends up with a, a ball of confusion coming out at the end that you got to go, wow. So now you got to dig so deep to figure out all the threads that led up to that. Right. And there's a lot of them. And, 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 and you know this, and, and I have a, a big passion for people who come out of prison that experience the same thing. And, you know, since I've been working in those types of settings, it bothered me that I was working with guys who had been incarcerated, you know, ever since they were teens. And when you talk to them, they sound just like my soldiers. Mm-hmm. And, and it bothered me at first. But then when I started reading um, articles about it, um, there's a lot of correlation with military and being in prison because you're being told what to do, when to do it, mm-hmm. how to do it. Um right. You know, just that whole, and I think even the producer just talked about that. But that's that's what happens. It's a it's a big correlation. It's a little different because in prison, in a lot of the the maximum prisons, which are higher levels, they have a lot of violence and rape and all these various things that be going on. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, it's still just constant trauma over and over again. And here is another a whole nother population that when they get out of the uh, prison system they have no support they give them fifty dollars and put them on a bus well how do you say i don't want to get too divisive but (laughs) when you when you look at the overall uh new jim crow the way the prison systems are set up the way that the policies that are again the policies in place that push us in that that school to prison system like a vacuum it sucks us up It, it 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 almost lends the credence that nobody cares. I mean, it just you look at it and say, nobody cares. And and you can tell that by the resources that they put in the community. And nine times out of 10, if you put any in there, they're so starved financially, they can't do much. It just mm-hmm. looks good. There's good optics. And a, a lot of our communities need uh, uh, that, how you say it, that new tribal feel where um, we support each other. Mm-hmm. We, we chain together and we try to, to give that that support we need because used to be a time you could you had a kid or somebody was suffering some things some of your relatives or neighbors would say hey i'll watch them while you go out get a break or you know go to the store whatever now people go i want you in my house (laughs) don't you know nothing about me but that's the biggest thing and you know every every story that i've heard has always been where i got out and i didn't have nobody i didn't have any support i couldn't get a job I don't have medical insurance, so how can I even go if I did? You know, that's the thing, because when they're incarcerated, they give them medication and all this dental and all this care, and they get out, and now it's no meds. Because guess what? You don't have no insurance. 
and they go right back to so you know it's the same kind of you see a pattern I'm, yep. I'm trying to get you to see that there's a pattern here and, and the thing about it is is that we watch the news and we see these things and everybody's like oh I can't believe oh my god so that's, did that's you see that's one of the biggest problems a lot of us don't watch news it, even if you hear something, it could happen next door to your house. And you like, I didn't realize that he was, you know, having those types of issues. And it's like, but we have the, I, I think, okay, as a family, look, just look at the family unit. Because the family unit is not what it was. And I'm, I'm kind of digressing and into a whole other thing. But it's like, how do you expect people... To rehabilitate, how do you expect people to re-enter themselves into a civilian um, life if they were already had problems? Because the thing about it is, you already know the people who had problems. I mean, I remember being even like, okay, go back to the military and basic training. You knew who was gonna make it. You knew, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I had people. I remember I had this girl. We called her Barbie. She was from Florida. Her uh, family owned a whole bunch of uh, chain hotels. She was rich, you know, like a little bratty type chick. Beautiful, blonde hair. And she joined the military because she wanted to prove a point. Private Benjamin. She wanted to prove a point. <laughs> and they stuck her with me because I was the level-headed one um, when we did uh, basic rifle training. And I remember being her buddy on the side of her. And it was crazy because she had she had her weapon and, she, you know, we was on the ground and she's sitting there. And every time she would pull the trigger, she started crying. And I used to be like, what's wrong with this chick? But here again, here is that emotional stuff and growing pains. And we, we you know, we are subjected to things. And just like people, you know, you starting back in the hood, like we said, we were exposed to things and we got these same symptoms. Even as kids, and people don't pay attention to it, it's like, oh, they just being bad, and and oh, they just this, and you're not looking at the fact that do you know what happened to me, what I've been exposed to, or the things that, you know, like those are the things that bother me. I think I don't think we pay enough attention to these things when they're happening until it gets too bad. You know, and it's just like uh, the guy that we interviewed, um, Mr. Simmons, that I wish we could have played. And I'm, I really got to make sure we bring that back. But they got a thing called post-incarceration syndrome. <laughs> post-incarceration, P-I-C-S. It's a serious problem that contributes to the relapse in addicted and mentally ill offenders who are released from correctional institutions. Currently, 60% of prisoners have been in prison before, and there is a growing evidence that post-incarceration syndrome is a contributing factor to this high rate of recidivism. And I'm going to go, it has down here that it has an institutionalized personality traits, right? Which talks about learned helplessness from authorities, antisocial defenses, dealing with predatory inmates. It talks about PTSD, okay? Both from pre-incarceration and afterwards, antisocial personality traits, um, and those are usually those you know those are Jeffrey Dahmer's and stuff. Um, <laughs> social sensory deprivation syndrome, uh, solitary confinement, and then substance use. We have all these things. That's the same thing that I almost just read from people who come out the military. 
it is so similar. It's but yet, time. but yet, but yet, we don't pay attention to it like we should until it's late. It's too late once you already don't put yourself into this, you know, mental prison of no peace. At that point, nobody can reach you. You know, and there's so many people out there like that. I see them. I've worked with them. And, you know, let me just give out this number. If y'all know anybody, there's some 800 numbers out there. Um, They got a hotline crisis for PTSD, 1-800-273-TALK. We have, uh, which is uh, 1-800-273-8255. You got a veterans crisis, suicide prevention hotline, 1-800-273-8255. You got uh, women with PTSD. Uh, that same, they have a, a that same number, the eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. So that seems to be the main one. Um, there's help out there. We have all this technology. Google it. There are people. You know, you can call my organization, um, Reconciliation Movement. We, I don't care where you're at. We will do the research to try to help you. Like this is very serious to me. Um, those that with the uh, sexual trauma and domestic violence, you know, all of these things are correlated to why we have the problems of today. And so I hope you guys uh, got something out of this show. I, I pray that if you know somebody or if you're experiencing these things, that you do get some help. Um, we could be reached at 404 969 uh, 5661 or at the com. next week is the finale for my pilot season it's that 13 weeks went by fast we're going to have a random conversations about various topics we're going to have several guests so I hope you guys tune in Charles any last word we got a couple minutes uh, no um, I just uh, the, the usual as men we don't follow up on our health and take care of ourselves and the rule is, if you don't take care of you, how can you take care of your family or your loved ones? Put your mask on first before trying to assist anyone else with theirs. <laughs> and that way we'll all survive. That's right. That's right. So thanks, everybody, for coming in. I appreciate you guys. And um, just continue to be blessed. See y'all next week. Thank you for making Life Radio an important part of your evening. Please join Victoriously Speaking, also known as Nicole Benton, Licensed Professional Counselor, for another edition of the program next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Here's to living independently for excellence.